At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let me just hear Mike talk. Just let me hear you just so I can make sure. Thank you. Thank you. You. Ah, I heard him. Sounds good. That's when the, you know, SH hits the fan. Oh and, <laughs> yeah, okay. What's the point? What's, if you're going to spell Sorry, it. Sorry, Manchester. Just say it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what did he, he say? He said Vikings suck. <laughs> they do. You're right. The Vikings suck. I Thanks. like those guys. Oh, here is the Super Bowl trophy. He stole the Lombardi trophy that was here. I did not he take it. He took it. I traded it for a case of wise. Yep. This guy's an <laughs> You're a sir. Hi, I'm Mike Fluey. It's all about me. What happened to you today? What's your excuse? Smoked too much weed last night? How do you eat your mixed nuts? Um, I, that's a very funny question. Your wife has a husband who farts. Well, <laughs> not, not, not that. You know I'm friends with your coach, right? Well, they have each other's initials initial tattooed on their legs. <laughs> right. Okay, I'm not. Damn, we're, we're like Lucy and uh, Ethel on the uh, on the freaking uh, assembly line with the freaking candies. The candies are rolling today. Time to go drinky, drinky, smoky, smoky. <laughs> Absolutely. <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> It was a fun week. It was so much fun that I didn't even have to hear any of the audio from that rewind of the week it was. Because I didn't. This is one of the realities when you abandon your post for 11 days to go on the road when you get back. There may be some things that have happened, some adjustments to a panel somewhere. As a result, I currently can't hear Christopher Sims. Christopher Sims currently can't hear me. Once we get that ironed out, we will be reunited virtually after spending a full week together in Los Angeles for Super Bowl 56. I got home last night about 1 a.m. And I can now make an official declaration, non-binding, of course, because you never say never. You never say never. With that said, I am never traveling again. With the understanding that you never say never, I'm never traveling again. You never say never, I'm never traveling again. 
That's it. That's it. Anybody that I saw last week, I enjoyed seeing most of you. If you want to see me again, you got to come here. I'm never traveling again. But never say never. Uh, <laughs> Chris and I will get reacquainted, maybe share some travel stories. My travel stories are very boring for yesterday, and that's the way I like them. Flight to Phoenix, flight from Phoenix to Pittsburgh, drive home, no weather issues. It felt great to walk outside of the terminal and get blasted in the face with 19 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm telling you, it felt great. It was too hot in L.A. last week. I like being in a place where you get all the seasons. I know that that just can be viewed by people who live in Florida and California as accepting the fate for the people who live in the places where it gets cold. I like it. I don't like driving on it, but I don't drive. And I don't have to worry about driving anymore because, as I said, I'm never traveling ever again. Hopefully we'll have Christopher soon. Hopefully we'll work out the gremlins that have invaded the system during the 11 days that we were out of commission, even though we were working the whole time. And I appreciate everybody who, number one, was on the program last week. We had a great group of guests. The interviews were fun. They were lively. They addressed some topics that needed to be addressed when those topics needed to be addressed. And I appreciate the fact that folks watched it and enjoyed it. I got a lot of great feedback from viewers last week. Even though we didn't have a live show in the morning, I appreciate that folks understood. It didn't make sense to be up at 4 a.m., especially when so much of the show would have been interviews from the day before that didn't fit into the show itself. Because I think we had more. I think we had more interviews than we had room. I can't. I can't. I just can't remember. That's the other thing about it. The nine days that I was gone felt like it would never end. And now that I'm back in the saddle, the usual Monday through Friday seat, I feel like I never left. With that said, I'm never traveling again. <laughs> Even though it seems like it went like that, no more of that for me. But never say never still waiting to hear whether or not we have chris do we have chris do we have now yep i got him i got him still working on it oh there he is there he is hey hello i hear myself on i hearing myself as well just so everybody knows that's not annoying or anything hey let me (laughs) tell you let me tell you after last week it's a walk in the park what last week we dealt with everything uh, this is worse to me. I got up early. I'm oh. exhausted, and we can't do a freaking show. Last week was Ooh. easy. <laughs> what was you? our? Oh, you had to be around people last week. Oh my gosh, boo! <laughs> well, I had to be around you. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You did. That was bad enough. You assault me the moment I walk in the door after <laughs> what, I exited my cave for the first time in two years. So what'd you say you in right the opening? In my face. What'd you say? How'd you start the show? I don't even know what we're talking All about. Sure. I I said all sorts of bad things about you. Okay, cool. How, How you doing? You I couldn't in- believe I couldn't believe you would pose behind the set of a nationally televised program with your middle fingers out. What a what a How dare disgrace I. you are. What a derelict. Yeah, I told you to do it. <laughs> I know. Do you mind if I take a picture with both your middle fingers up? <laughs> also, I think we used some language. We that did night definitely. We can't be held responsible for because our brains were fried. 
how you feeling, man? How'd you do? How'd you know? What time did you get in last night? What time did you get to bed? I mean, one a.m. Okay, one a.m. is not bad. Two and just so everybody knows, I don't hear myself anymore, so that's good. That problem's fixed. Everybody that's in the back good. room. Um, one a.m. Okay, you don't look me. too bad. You don't look too tired. Uh, good Thank for you. you. I felt like maybe the most tired I felt all year when I woke up this morning. Like a Mack truck hit me. I could not believe. I get you know. I'm used to West Coast time. I was out there for 13 days basically, and. I'm like, you know, waking up at 5.30, it's 2.30 now for me. So uh, that was a hard one this morning. I took a long shower last night when I got home just to wash Los Angeles off of me. Nothing against Los <laughs> Angeles, but it's not West Virginia. And, and I, I, look, I don't know. I don't want to make any broad proclamations about the Super Bowl host city, but um, I know there will be more there because of the stadium. Definitely. Uh, that's all I'll say about it for now. Well, why? What was the problem? I, I, what, I would rather heap praise on Miami. What was I, the problem? Just, what I, didn't you like? Tell me. What do you, what do you mean? I don't, I, no, I'm trying to be diplomatic. I'm trying to be positive. I'm trying to be the opposite of who I usually am. I don't want to be a bad guest. I just left Los Angeles yesterday. I don't want to say things like it's got a rough and gritty feel to it. I don't want to say things like... There's a fine line between obscene wealth and abject poverty that, that is blurred to the point of unrecognizable. And it's a sad, dystopian place. I don't yeah. want to say that, so I won't. Okay, I won't. good. Good thing you didn't say it. You know, now nobody will hear it or anything. I won't, say, I won't say that it feels like the end times when you're in Los Angeles walking around, seeing how opulence and pestilence just crash i, I hear you there that, so i won't yeah i hear you i know that, that's a real thing you're right i think that's going on I and mean, we, we talk about it a lot the disparity around the country and especially major cities you see it and it's like it's eye-popping and it's a little gross and we got to fix it in our country i agree with you there i don't know what you can do to fix it and that's another topic for another day and probably not for us at all i don't know that it's fixable but well, you're 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 it referring to the amount of people we saw, like you know, homeless or certainly struggling in life. I mean, you see that a lot, yes. no doubt about it. But yes. then at the same yes. time, it's hard. You see the same guy driving down the road in a different Rolls Royce, like every other day. You're there too, and you're like, well, that's your fourth you Rolls see, Royce you this see week. Stan Kroenke's mega yacht, <laughs> the most useless and unnecessary possession that any oligarch can have. I, I firmly believe that if you have enough money to own one of those yachts, and we know of Jerry Jones, Dan Snyder, Shad Khan, Arthur Blank, Stan Kroenke, probably more. I, I'm sorry, if you have enough to own one of those things, and I, and I realize the building of that boat employs people. The maintenance of that boat employs people. I understand that it stimulates the economy. My point is this. If you got enough money to buy one of those things, you have too much money. And I'm not saying that the government should take it from them. I'm not saying that. They've acquired the wealth. That's their prerogative. Uh, and and this, the country is founded on capitalism. I believe in that. My, my, point, my point is it is hard for me to exist in a place where you see, and I saw it yesterday before I left. I saw the Kroenke mega yacht at the end of the marina. When when you see that, and you know, less than a half mile away from the place we stayed in Marina del Rey, right? You you see you see homeless people walking around like zombies in a way that shatters your heart. It doesn't break it. 
it shatters it with a hammer. Yeah, sure. I hear you, man. It's it's a real thing. There's no doubt about it. And you know, we we've talked about it a lot. I I respect your your take on that for sure because it's a real issue in our country. I do. Uh, but I know it's it's a shame. I see it in New York City too. Um, all right, I'm. Yeah, I don't want to get too serious right. here. You ready to talk about yeah. football now? Well, you asked. Me. I, <laughs> I wasn't going to say. I, know. <laughs> I wasn't going to say what the problem was. All right, you got me to not talk about it. I got some other. I, I got some problems it. with the Super Bowl though, so I'm ready to talk about right, that. Go. When you are. All right, go. Good. Go. Here's my first go. problem. My first problem is this right off the bat. After having 24 hours to digest it, watching the game a little bit while I'm eating dinner last night, just back on film, I'm kind of eating soup and watching it. I didn't like do a deep dive study like I will today, but here would be my first thought. No way Cooper Cup should have been MVP. I mean, absolutely Uh-oh. no way. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's just insane. I just can't, I can't get behind it. He carried it. the team on oh, his back yeah. when it mattered most. I know. Well, see, I just don't see it that way. First off, Aaron Donald should have been the MVP. He dominated the second half. So that would be MVP number one. He dominated the second half. Even on the long touchdown pass to T. Higgins, Aaron Donald's busting through the line of scrimmage. The big sack to hold them to a field goal. Uh, when they get get the interception from Stafford. This play here, you think he's going to escape the pocket. Aaron Donald, here is this. You're thinking, oh, you know, they might score a touchdown and go up two scores. Nope, not Aaron Donald. That's he, the moment. Exactly. That's the drive we were talking that, about. That, to me, That's that, where the game was saved. Exactly. It's an MVP moment. It is, Mike. To your point, you said it right after the game, and you're right. Let alone all the other plays that went along in the game. So, like, first off, the NFL has to do something and get away. I don't know. Are they dialing in with one of those two, three? We'll talk about I know. So that was my first one. Second off, Cooper Cup shouldn't even have been the second choice in the MVP. Then it should come Matthew Stafford. So here's my next. Matthew Stafford played really good football. He made a lot of unbelievable throws. First off, the best receiver on the field in the first half of the game was Odell Beckham Jr. All right. So then we get into that. Now, you know, we, we see a guy in Matthew Stafford. Yes, he threw two interceptions. He made a number of big-time throws in the football game. People were not wide open in this game by any stretch of the imagination. He was on his, what, third-string tight end. He had Cooper Cup, that's it. No Odell Beckham Jr. He's out there trying to make it work with, you know, Cooper Cup, yes. Van Jefferson, good. Squarnick, okay, and a third-string tight end, and then no run game to go along with it. And I think when you really look at it, and even the last drive, I was more impressed with the throws than I was with what Cooper Cup did. The big play of the last drive, right, Mike? The like little in-cut he hits to Cooper Cup, and he catches it and runs and gets down there. I mean... No, the, I don't know if we got that play, guys. Like when, when, the no look, the, the angle, the, the no, no look. look. Exactly right. I mean, unbelievable. That's, that's unbelievable. That was the throw. The throw was the unbelievable, the MVP moment. And I think what bothers me too, Mike, is just like sitting on the plane yesterday morning, watching all the the highlight shows and the sports shows and everything there. I just can somebody give Matthew Stafford respect? I mean, really, it's like it's disgusting. No, people act like he didn't have a play in the game. Like, he, he didn't do anything. Like, it wasn't the most clutch drive in the history of the Super Bowl. This throw right here. I mean, that was all. the throw was amazing. There's only a few guys in football that can make that throw. That's Mahomes, Rodgers, Josh Allen. No look, laser. He wasn't really open. They got the completion. And, guys, if you could go back to that one two completions ago, they got the completion. 
because of the great throw. So I'm bothered by that too, Mike. I really am. I mean, he played great football. They were undermanned. And it's like because the narrative was already like pre-existing with Stafford, no one wants to really give him respect for what he did in this game and how clutch he was and how tough he was. The MVP voting. Yeah. And, and I agree with you it should have been Aaron Donald. And no I wrote doubt. something yesterday that wasn't intended to be Aaron Donald versus Cooper Cup. The, the voting process is deeply flawed, flawed, deeply flawed. And I was asking questions of the league yesterday about this, and I got the distinct impression they weren't thrilled by the questions. And to that, I can only say, tough crap, because sometimes, sometimes you got to shine a light on things in order to make them better. Here's what they do. They have 16 handpicked members of the media. Only 16 people have a vote on the MVP award. They won't tell me who they are. Well, more accurately, they told me some of them, but I'm not allowed to say who they are. Others, they didn't tell me, and there's no transparency, and that's bad because that, you know what that creates? That creates the impression the league picks the MVP and hides behind the notion that there are 16 voters, and no one can ever figure out whether or not the actual final MVP meshes with what the votes would have suggested. That's what you invite when you have no transparency. These aren't state secrets. The votes should be transparent. They should disclose all the voters and what the outcome of their vote was. And if the voters aren't comfortable with that, move on to someone who's willing to attach their name to their vote and make it known. Because again, these aren't state secrets. For the individuals, these define legacies. When you have a Super Bowl MVP, that's forever. No, oh, I could. That's I, permanent. No doubt. Right. I, that, I live with a that guy. That's so much yes. more significant. Right. So much more significant right. than, than they're giving it credit for. So they have 16 media members. Then here's the other thing that bothers me. Well, two, many other things bother me about this. They, they, and, and I, I'm 16 media members stories. is disturbing. You're right about that. Okay. Yeah. But but here's here's the other thing they do. They want their votes before the end of the game because they want to be able to announce the MVP in the afterglow, the immediate afterglow of the game. Because How? the other leagues do that too. I don't give a crap what the other leagues do. My, my. I don't get I'm I'm happy to wait if they get it right. I'm happy to wait 24 hours if they get it right. Um, why why rush to a bad decision? What is why there do to that? rush why, for? And, it's it's sixteen There's votes. No reason. They can count to sixteen. It's not that hard. You can wait till the clock stops and go. Okay, now everybody turn in their votes. Wait, oh, one, two, three. I mean, are, are they serious with that? Yes. That's ridiculous. That's yes. stupid. Yeah, and and so what they do is they communicate with them during the game, like starting in the fourth quarter. Well, who's your vote? Who's your vote? Well, it's this, and then they'll get back to them and confirm it. So they say, but it's not like. You vote for president at 2 in the afternoon, and then you go back to the polls at 4 in the afternoon, and then they call you at 7 and say, do you want to change your mind? It should be one vote at one time, at one moment, and it should be after the game. And maybe it shouldn't be right after the game. Maybe it should be the next day. What the hell? Own the news cycle the next day. Who's the MVP of the Super Bowl going to be? Seriously. Why in the hell does it have to be announced while the confetti's in the air? They could own Tuesday. If they want to hold it until this morning, we find out today after everyone's had a day to digest it and the votes were cast by 11 o'clock Eastern on Monday night, we now will announce the Super Bowl MVP. Why? why I mean, this, this outdated thinking 
and the refusal to take a step back and ask, does this make sense? There are so many things, and this isn't just in the NFL. There's so many things in life where we just fall into a pattern and we do it a certain way and we never take a step back and say, is this the right way to do it? The other, the other thing that bugs me, they give a voice to the fans. And I have no problem with that generally, but it ends up counting about 20% of the total, which is enough to swing it. And they open the voting at NFL.com. I mean, they're going for a traffic grab. They're going for clicks during the game. They're trying to get people, while they're watching the the game, to go to NFL.com and vote. And they start the voting before the end of the game. So, like, you want? do you really want a fan to vote on the MVP in the third quarter? It's ridiculous. Such amateur hour. When it opens. It's amateur hour. That's... That's a joke. A guy That's who's a been, joke. yeah, you got some guy, you got fans who are, you know, eating dip and chicken wings and looking at their phone and talking to or people. Or maybe drunk. And right. And they're going to make a vote in the MVP. And they're going to determine someone's, like you said, legacy life. Like, it's in, it's in, and the NFL should be embarrassed by it. They really should. And how, how, here's what it does. Whoever finishes first in the fan voting gets the equivalent of two and a half votes. Two and a half votes for whoever finishes first. One full vote for whoever finishes second. And a half vote for who finishes third. So you got four votes that come out of the fan voting to dilute the 16 votes that come from the media members that they won't tell us who they are and it's all a big secret. Isn't it? That's hey, let me tell How you. Is that even possible? There's a lot of things that you do. Yeah. It's embarrassing. That is an embarrassment. That it that is. dishonors the honor that the Super Bowl MVP should be. Yeah, I agreed. I, it's, it's actually amazing. When you hear it out loud, you're And like, I'll guarantee you this. Here's what, here's what yeah. else I'll tell you. They're in another show that's going to tell you that because everybody wants to kiss the NFL's ass because we feel like that's what we have to do. We have to be in the good graces. Because I know by saying this, by saying this, uh, I'll never get the vote. I don't want the vote. I don't want it. I want to make the process better. Let somebody else have the vote. But they get pissed when people tell them that they got something that they should be doing better. They get yeah. pissed. Instead of fixing it, they get pissed about it. They yeah. get pissy about it <clears throat> well, is a better way to put it. Because by the end of the conversation, I was starting to get them to come around on the issue, frankly, of the number of votes. That yeah. There needs to be more. They were right. at least starting to understand. But, but at one point, I got the passive-aggressive and other respected media members. And I said, hey, sorry if I'm not behaving like a respected media member. All right? Sorry. So I am trying to make things better. So I am trying to make sure that whoever gets the Super Bowl MVP award is the one who deserves it. And that it's a process that you can look at and say, nothing wrong with that. They're doing it the right way. Yeah. No, I, I listen, it, it's embarrassing. When you hear it out loud, you really go, oh, my gosh, is that really how it's done? It's a joke. You know, it's a joke, first off. There's no excuse with any of it. The fans have no, have, should have no voice in this process. Absolutely not. There should be more than and 16 people And if they do, voting. it should be after the game. If they do, it should be after the game. Why are they voting during the game? I don't know Why are either. they voting before Cooper Cup's touchdown? Well, either Why are they way, voting before Aaron Donald ends the game? I don't get that either. I don't get that either. At the very least, I'd just like to see the 16 people wait till the game's over. I'd like to see that happen. I would think that we could count to 16 by the time we have a eight-minute commercial <laughs> break after the game and all this other things that we could hey, go. Hey, we gotta make money. Wait, we gotta make money. Wait, we can like count and look at this. Whoa, ten for Cup, four for Don. Like, I mean, come on, that's such a stupid excuse and ridiculous. So they need. That's the first thing that has to go. Let alone with all of them, but they, they gotta wait till the end of the game. And, and, and it, first off, it's, it's disturbing anyways. I don't know if even waiting for the end of the game, do you think that definitely would have swayed it to Aaron Donald's side? Did it take that last play, the tackle on the third that's, and one run? Do you think that did it? What's the rush? I know. What's the rush? 
Because, because look, here, you got to take time to reflect on the game. As it's happening. Yeah, it's hard. As the game is happening, the reality is unfolding before our very eyes. We're trying to digest it while the next play is 40 seconds away. Right. And it's very difficult to take a broader view. You know, you can't study the statistics. You can't go back and look at the film. You can't look at the, you know, for example, you and I both said after the game that the key moment was the post-interception yeah. prevention by the Rams right. of a touchdown by the Bengals. Right. And when I went back and looked at the play-by-play, it's like, holy crap, Aaron Donald had two sacks on that drive. I know. I know. He, he, tr- he, tried, to, he tried to force them into a field goal the first four downs, and that was capped with a Joe Burrow 18-yard scramble on fourth and one. And then on third and three, that's when he bulled through the line, right. tackled Joe Burrow, and forced him to kick three. And that dramatically changed the game. No Otherwise, doubt. it would have been first and goal inside the 10, and they score a touchdown, and it's it's 11 instead of four. Or it's well, – is that yeah. right? No. It, no, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. 11 instead of seven. Yes, 11 instead exactly of seven. Right. That exactly. would have changed everything. No doubt. Two-score football game. It was huge. The story of the game was the Rams' defense. The Rams – first off, both defenses won the game. I think that's the thing, too. And I know we're in an era that it's just so offensive, one-sided. All we think about is offense, offense, offense. I mean, the Bengals, you know, really, offensively, it's, it's, it's like three plays was their offensive showing. It was three big passes, you know, a, a little, a handful of runs by Joe Mixon. Other than that, they couldn't do anything. They could not do anything on the offensive side of the ball. So the Rams defense won that battle. There's no doubt about it. The Bengals hung around, but Aaron Donald closed the door and ended the game. I mean, he was amazing in the second half. In a moment where they started to realize, wait, offense, we don't have Odell Beckham Jr., things aren't going to be good here, we're struggling on that side of the ball, defense, we have to step up and kind of win this game or keep our offense in it here for a while until they can put a drive together. They did that. And then the leader of the charge there was certainly Aaron Donald. There's so many plays that he affects throughout the game, especially in the second half. So that would be my big issue. I hate the lack of respect that people didn't really give Matthew Stafford. Certainly, you heard me voice that. I just want people to respect what we saw a little bit. You know, undermanned offense. He was tough. I know he had the interceptions. But, damn, it was one of the clutchest, toughest drives to win a Super Bowl in, in the history of the game. You know, so I just would like to hear people give him respect. I'd also like to raise my hand and go, wait, what, like, what were the Bengals doing a little bit with pass protection during the game? I mean, what the hell? Are we going to change it up a little bit, keep an extra guy in, chip the defense ends? They just acted like they were just going to go, well, we're not good, but we'll just roll the dice and hope we're good today. I mean, there are some things about the game, as I unpacked it last night, sitting there eating my soup, like I told you, where I just went, man, that was you know, disappointing or underwhelming. Um, I mean, poor Joe Burrow. He was under pressure, and they didn't do a whole lot to help him. I mean, if it wasn't for him getting it out of his hand quick and making some crazy throws, I mean, he would have got sacked another handful of times. Here's a way to think about MVP. Yeah. Who is the player? Who is the player? Right. That if you take him out of the game. That's a good way to say it, Mike. the game. Right. Is, is the most likely to, to keep the team it. from winning. Right. Yeah. And you said it. That says it's it. It's Donald. It's Donald. A hundred percent. I saw a screenshot. I saw a screenshot of that last play. Now, first of all, Joe Burrow almost completed the pass to Smash. It is P. amazing. I don't know if you've noticed that. I did. He yeah. almost completed that pass. I know. Okay, there, there's P Ryan in the flat, and he breaks in for the ball as it comes out. And it wasn't. I need maybe need to see a different angle, but that was closer than it should have been. Also, the screenshot I saw, 
T. Higgins had Jalen Ramsey on the ground. Uh, and yeah, was Jamar Chase, the I right believe. Yeah, oh, yeah. Was, oh, one of them. Somebody, yeah. somebody had Jalen Ramsey on the ground. Again. Yep, they they did. And, yeah, and uh, and was wide ass open, as Bruce Arians would say. He ran down the right sideline, Jamar Chase, and their feet got tangled. And yes, the the thing is, it was a fourth and one. He did have one on one with Jamar Chase on the right side, but. If we could show that last play again, guys, he look he plays the he plays the, the, the system on the left side. He plays the concept. See, so his eyes are all over the left. And then of course he never has a really a chance to get back over to the right side of the field or see much else because Aaron Donald dominated. You know, that that was the big thing and, and I mean that's an unbelievable move. First off, to be that wide as a three technique and then still win with the outside move and there was an extra guy inside there, they got the center over there and he still got around the corner and made the sack. I mean, there there's really that's like out of defensive tackles, nobody can do that in the pass rush. It's him and Warren Sapp maybe in the history of the sport. Just a phenomenal player, Mike, but I like what you said there. To me that buttons it up. Who's the one guy that if you took off the field, it would have affected the game the most or swayed the outcome? And to me, when you say that, I mean, it just it's silver platter. Oh, it's Aaron Donald. There's no doubt about it. The game, he changed the game. He was, of course, the biggest person they had to worry about within their game plan and trying to figure out how to block him. And Raheem Morris did a great job, I thought, in the second half with getting in some defensive sets where the Bengals couldn't double-team him every play finally. And that allowed him to get one-on-one. But I, I like how you uh, kind of phrase that, Mike. I think that's the way to do it. And so let's just say this. The, the PFT Super Bowl MVP award goes to Aaron Donald. Definitely. And our votes are more reliable because we've at least taken some time to think about it, reflect on it, talk about it, hash it out, sound it out. There was no, there was no proverbial gun to our heads to cast our ballots. I, I, gotta yeah. pick somebody, gotta pick somebody, right. gotta pick somebody, gotta right. pick somebody. Right. No. It, the the award means so it's, much. It's it's life changing. I it changed my family's at, life. At, I can tell way. you from look experience. Yeah. They go five weeks from the end of the regular season before they tell us who the regular season MVP is. Five yeah. weeks. Right. I think we can wait five hours. I think we can wait one day. I think you should name the Super Bowl MVP. You should when you get done with the show, I definitely think you should do some copy paste, copy paste snarky comment and put up the top of the screen the PFT Super Bowl MVP like you do your regular season awards, put the Super Bowl MVP up there. Get this conversation going. Yeah, get this conversation going. I think we got to shine a light on this. This has to get changed. You know, there, it doesn't happen well, a lot, but there's been a handful of times where we've seen throughout the course of the NFL history where If you wait or just have a little time to digest or at least just wait to the end of the football game, I think people's votes would have changed. I think this is one of those games like you talked about. I think you believe – didn't you say even Shireen Shireen kind of told you after the game that she thinks some of the voting would have been swayed? Like, uh, uh, Yes, potentially. Yes. Yes. Don't out any of my sources. But yes, well, I was not that she's one of my sources. Well, yeah, I just was saying you, you, that was just a thought from a respected she's media voted member. In the past. Yes, right. Just she's a respected voted media member. Right, right. Yes, yes. And she shares our view that it's all a little too rushed. It's I'm too not rushed. getting her in trouble or me in trouble. I'm yeah. more concerned about getting me in trouble. Although I will say this. I will we're say in this. trouble already. Well, well, we're going to put the video up too. So anyone in the league office who has. You know, not watch it. Shame on you. You're not watching this on Peacock. But you'll see it throughout the day on PFT. And I don't care. I don't run from it anymore. After being away from nine 
from nine for home days, from home for nine days, <laughs> I have reached the full-blown zero Fs given mode of my existence. But if they haven't sent the hit squad to, uh, to West Virginia to terminate me based on what we've been saying about the Washington Commanders, what we've been saying about the Miami Dolphins, uh, what else? What, what else? Plenty of other things that they aren't happy about, deflate gate stuff from last week. And, and I'm sure they're not happy about this. This I don't know if you noticed this last night. Did, did I tell you last week when we were at the NFL Experience, it was open to the public. It was open to the public the day we got there. Right. To my astonishment, two years in a cave, I walk into the NFL Experience to tape our show, and there's people <laughs> everywhere with masks hanging down under their chins. What the hell did I get myself into? I almost left, as you know. I, know. I almost went back to the hotel, packed my stuff, and got on a plane and went home. But they had lockers there. They had lockers there of a player from every team made up to look like it was basically a Gillette ad yeah because they had all this like sh- shaving cream and that's fine I use Gillette razors that's fine yeah go buy Gillette stuff my point is it was just kind of awkward in that regard but it was very awkward because for the Saints the locker was Alvin Kamaris and I saw that hey, he got arrested yeah. at the Pro Bowl right and I don't know if I told you hey they got Alvin Kamara's locker over there we talked about it. anyway I took a picture of it and sent it to my son and I wrote under the picture awkward because it was. Yeah. He had just been arrested right. at the Pro Bowl for felony battery causing substantial bodily harm. And there's his locker in plain view. Well, I saw on Twitter last night, at some point during the week, they got a Cam Jordan nameplate and put it over Alvin Kamara's. And then they got inside the locker and they turned the jerseys around so you didn't see Kamara's name. But both jerseys are number 41. Oh, that's amazing. Bizarre. Like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You can get the Cam Jordan nameplate, but you can't get a couple of Cam Jordan jerseys? Seriously. It just so. So anyway, if they're, you know, so I'm again, zero Fs given. Uh, let's talk about Aaron Donald. Maybe zero football left to give for him, a different kind of F. Uh, what, what's your thought on whether or not we see him again? I, I think that... He is entertaining the possibility. I mean, there's just too much, you know, too many people who have kind of heard or th- or at least think this is a real thing for it not to be real. Uh, I, I do believe that. You know, Rodney Harrison, Michelle Tafoya, what they said. You know, I, I think that's out there in the universe. I really do. I, I guess in my heart of hearts, I first want to just go, why? Why? I mean, you know, just you're, you're playing so good. Your team is really good. They're not going anywhere anytime in at least the next two, three years. They're, they're going to be one of the better teams in football. There's no doubt about that. That's what I do want to say. But, I mean, of course, I can't say that. I mean, that's just me selfishly as a fan. Like, my, my outside, like, if I had to put myself in Aaron Donald's shoes and just knowing him and knowing some guys in the Rams organization, coaches, players, all that, I'm going to raise in and go, I think he'll be back. I think he'll let his body rest. Time will go. I think he loves football too much. I do think he's maybe worn out a little bit, but I just I, I, I think at the end of the day, I think he's going to realize, wait, we're good. I'm still awesome. You know, Maybe they give him a little sweetener with money, do something like that, because he is underpaid when you really look at it compared to the other best defensive players in football, and we're talking about the king of defensive players. Uh, but I, I, I do feel like ultimately he will come back. At least hope he does, but I, I also feel that way too just from talking to people. He did a very front-loaded deal, so the reality is he's entering the final three yeah. seasons of his second contract at an average payout of $18.33 million. 
he has to ask himself, is it still worth it? Is it worth it to me to put myself through what I put myself through to get ready for the season and to play the full season stationed out of Los Angeles? He is a Pittsburgh guy, and after eight years of being in L.A. for football season, when he's still a Pittsburgh guy. Not that he wants to be traded to the Steelers that they could ever pull that off. That's not the point. The point is it's a long way from home. It is, Trust and he loves and Pittsburgh. I'm 100, yeah. I'm 100 miles south of Pittsburgh. I know what it was like to be gone for nine days. I can't imagine five months turning my life upside down and being away from where I choose to be. And uh, we, we saw him be very sensitive to the business aspect of the sport after he had his three years in yep. and was eligible for a second contract holdouts until he got what he wanted until he got what he deserved he held out he and did. finally got what he deserved right and uh and i uh, so he's never it injured may be an element of he's your ultimate team it, it, guy he does everything yeah. right i mean he's he's your he's a poster child for the guy you want to be the leader of your football team there's like he's almost and now's perfect. the time now's the time exactly. to make the move while he's exactly. 30 right make the move yeah because he's going to start to dip a little bit right make the move give him a little sweetener on top you know, I don't think he's a selfish guy that he's going to go. Oh, I got to have twenty-eight million a year or anything like that. He's not. He's really not wired that way. Uh, but yeah, in my heart of hearts, I do think he is going to come back. Ultimately, I do. I think he'll realize all that's at play here and realize, hey, age. I'm still playing at a high level. Our team is good. You know, we got to strike while the iron's hot. Uh, I think he looks at it. I, I I would hope so. I hope so. We'll see where it goes. I don't want to put myself in or, or, you know, get ahead of myself there. Because, you know, like we talked about after the game, too, when you play that position, you're 280 pounds, you know, you have to fight. He has to work out and fight like hell to be 280 pounds. He is really who he is. Yes, he has great physical ability, but his size and all of that is through hard work and just obsessive dedication. That wears you out. I get that. Uh, I don't want to see him retire. I don't think he will. I think he'll be back. I hope so. Well, <clears throat> and the crowning achievement of a career is to win a Super Bowl. And the question is, when yeah. Yeah. is the right time to walk? Yeah. When can you? When can you feel like you have the right closure on your career and it doesn't get any better than capping off your career with a Super Bowl win because it's so hard this was his eighth try he saw how hard it is to get to the Super Bowl and then to win the Super Bowl and how they almost lost this one yeah they almost lost it <clears throat> right they almost blew it favored to win by four and uh, I thought they'd win easily you thought they'd win easily they had they had to hustle. They had oh, to scratch. Man. They had to claw. They did. They, they had to get lucky to, to win this. They one. Were that's tough. how hard it is. So yeah. maybe maybe you do say that's it. I'm done. But but you know what? It reminds me a lot of the situation with Sean McVay. We're going to talk about him now because you know he said what it he had to similar. say before the game ended. Right. He said what he had to say before the game ended, and now he's in the we'll see category. I mean, for either guy, if it's ludicrous to talk about the possibility they're not coming back, that's what you say. What are you talking? Are you nuts? Are you crazy? Are you, it's like asking, is Matthew Stafford still your starting quarterback? We'll see. That's how goofy it sounds if they're committed to coming back. But now that the game's over, and Andrew Marshawn of the New York Post spotted this in some things McVay said to NFL Network after the game, and now more recently he's saying, we'll see. Uh, it's simple. Stan Kroenke, owner of Mega Yacht and many other properties and things that cost a lot of money, time to take care of your most important football employees. Sean McVay, 
hey, doors open to broadcasting. And, you know, we talked about this after the game, too, the idea that if McVeigh leaves, ESPN wants him for Monday Night Football. That's not how it's got to work. they got to come after him. they got to tell him, Sean, here's what we'll pay you. So he knows. No, I'm he sure that that call will happen this week. I would not be it shocked. It needs to by happen. That. Yeah, it needs to happen. <clears throat> and then he decides. And Stan Kroenke's got to decide, uh, you know, what he's going to do. And if McVeigh leaves, oh, the Vikings are going to get screwed. If McVeigh leaves <laughs> and Kroenke throws a bunch of money at Kevin O'Connell, oh, uh, that's one thing that didn't happen yesterday. They the didn't. Vikings didn't hire Kevin O'Connell yesterday. Yeah, it did not happen yet. You're right. There's no ink on the paper. There's still, there's still a chance. <laughs> there's still to give some me Jim wiggle Harbaugh. room. I know. I know. You know. I feel a little, you know, similar. <laughs> I know. Oh, there's such a part of me that would love to watch your Vikings get screwed over. It would be great. <laughs> it would be so awesome. And then they start hey, flirting with it, Jim Harbaugh again, and he starts to open the door, going, "Oh, wait, wait, Michigan, wait, hold on, I am going to flirt one more time. I can see that happening. It would be too perfect." But you know what? You know what? If A.A. Vikings, if it yeah. happens to you, you got what you deserved. It happened in your city four years ago. You've seen what can happen when you try to tentatively hire a coach before you can actually hire the coach. Yeah. It's not done until it's done. Right. McDaniels so McVay would right. leave. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is it crazy to think McVeigh leaves, Cronky hires O'Connell, and O'Connell calls the Wolves and says, hey, sorry, guys, I didn't think McVay was leaving. Yeah. I'm going to stay where I am. It's not crazy. And if McVay does, you know, put out that signal quick enough here, uh, I think the next 24 to 48 hours might be very telling in this one, actually. Uh, I have actually didn't even think about that until you brought up the subject, but it, it, it will be kind of interesting to gauge that as we go along here. I don't know, Mike. I do feel the same way I feel like about McVay as compared to Aaron Donald a little bit, where, you know, again – I know Sean a little bit, you know, he worked for Kyle for a long time. I've been around him. Just the being out there, you know, two weeks prior to the Super Bowl, spending the day in the Rams facility, all that. I got the impression that he had kind of found the right balance this year between, you know, work and life. That he wasn't so exhausted that the year was fun for him and you know you mentioned it I think off air you know well he's probably a little less stressed because of his quarterback and I, I, I went yeah you're exactly right remember I think we had that conversation before we came on air Sunday night I said it on air yeah you said, <laughs> I said it on it air, on air. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I think there's some <laughs> you don't real... have to worry about Jared Goff anymore <laughs> right there's there's something to that you know again the pressure's not there Hey, look, the Super Bowl was the perfect example. Everybody got hurt. We're not running the ball. Oh, damn, I got a quarterback who still can throw lasers and make things happen. You know, that, that'll make, you know, a head coaches and offensive coordinators' life a lot easier and make them able to enjoy football. Uh, I, I just feel like with McVay, it's like Aaron Donald. They're psychos. They're so, like, everything is football, 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 that, yes, now you get to the pinnacle, you win the Super Bowl, and you go, oh, man, oh, okay, Ooh, I finally did it. I did it. Holy cow. All right, man. You know, and you have that moment of, yes, I did it, and what else do I need to do? But I think just with these two guys, psycho, I think like a week off, and they're going to be like, okay, wait, it's been a week already. I'm already itching here. All right, here we go. I just envision them both of them being like that. And like Aaron Donald, I think McVeigh will look at it and go, wait, we're good, and we're not going anywhere the next two or three years. I need to hang in here. Even if you're yeah. far less stressed without Jared Goff as your quarterback. It's still grind. stressful, no doubt, no doubt. And, and, he's, and he's getting married. And he said last week he yeah. wants to find a better balance between right. work and family. Now, one thing you learn when you get into broadcasting, you are away from home on more, the road. More. more. But when you're home, you're home. Yes. You're not 
You're not at the facility until 2 a.m. Yeah. You're not sleeping not there during the week. thinking about things at home at dinner and everything. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're not as consumed right. with your job. Yes. You're just gone from, you know, Saturday to Monday or whatever right. it is. And, you know, you, you, you just gets married, newlyweds, first couple of years. She can just make every trip with him. I mean, they can yeah. treat every trip like, a, you know, go to this city, go to that city and do whatever. And so I, that that's the, the factor that could make it enticing for McVeigh. Take, I don't know, 10 years like John Gruden did, grab the big money that TV has to offer, and then come back and coach at some point down the road like yeah. John Gruden did and do a lot better than Gruden did when he comes back and picks his next team 10 years from now or whatever the case may be. So I think that both Donald and McVeigh need to be monitored carefully. I think they're I hear you. thinking about walking away. And your buddy Kyle Shanahan is probably going to be monitoring yeah. PFT on a regular basis. These are the headlines <laughs> he won't be whining about. These will not be he won't be. headlines, He won't be Kyle. going, Florio going to write some stupid headlines. headline. Yeah. And he sees that, he's going to go, damn, that's the best headline Florio ever wrote. Yeah. Aaron Donald's <laughs> gone. McVeigh's gone. Yes. Yeah. Florio's great. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's take a break. When we return, a closer look at whatever it was that happened on Sunday afternoon and then into Monday regarding the Cardinals and their quarterback, Kyler Murray. More PFT Live, not at the Super Bowl, when we return right after this. Kyler Murray posted a statement on social media yesterday. It goes like this. I play this game for the love of it. My teammates, everyone who has helped me get to this position that believed in me and to win championships. All of this nonsense is not what I'm about. Never has been, never will be. Anyone who has ever stepped between those lines of me knows how hard I go. Love me or hate me, but I'm going to continue to grow and get better. This is in response to the Sunday splash report from Super Bowl Sunday from Chris Mortensen of ESPN that Murray is described as self-centered, immature, and a finger pointer. I still look, look, I'm not a trained journalist. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've learned through trial and error what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And just because Mort's been doing it forever, and look, I know you're friends with him, Chris, and I know he's close with your dad. I I think that that was off base by him. I think that that crossed the line. To use an anonymous opinion that he's self-centered, immature, and a finger pointer when there are surely other people out there who disagree with it. I mean, it's one thing to traffic in anonymous facts. Kyler Murray has requested a trade. That's a fact. If you don't have a source on it, that's fine. It's a fact. When you start saying there are people who say he's self-centered, immature, and a finger pointer, who are well, who are they? I know. And well, how many are they? <clears throat> yeah. Is it half the team? Is it all the team? Right. Is it ten percent of the team? Is it one person's got a problem with Kyler Murray? Who is it? That that just it doesn't. It's not fair to the kid. He's twenty-four years old. It's not fair to have that hanging over him when there surely are people who don't feel that way about him. I, I, I hear you, Mike. I, I guess that's where – it is where it's dicey. I, I get you all the way. What I will say to, like, stand up for somebody like Chris Mortensen, who, yeah, you're right, I have a relationship with him. I've known him for a long time, is in the fact that I, I, I can guarantee he didn't get it from just some Joe Schmo. That would be the one thing I would say in defending, you know, Chris Mortensen here, without a doubt, is that he he got this from somebody. Yeah, he can't release who it is, but I don't think he's just getting this from like, you know, the fourth ring, fourth string wide receiver or like a backup offensive lineman. 
my history with knowing Chris is when he does these type of things more, he's getting this from somebody very high up in the organization. This is not just some Joe Schmo who doesn't really know the situation. Uh, I don't think he would go or cross that line that you're talking about unless it was somebody, you know, with significant power or, you know, a level of understanding of the team of the Arizona Cardinals. So that would be the thing I would say just at face level there, certainly. But, you know, these things, you brought it up. We heard them percolating a little bit during the draft process. You know, but we haven't seen anything or heard anything substantial from anybody out there to really jump onto that. We haven't. You know, I think we've had a few moments that we hear like, oh, yeah, we wish Kyler Murray had better body language on the sideline at times other than that. But, man, for a guy who's, you know, young and had a lot of pressure on him, won the Heisman, expected to turn around an organization, you know, I'm certainly not going to sit here and complain and go, oh, man, I don't like the way he handles himself or, you know, plays quarterback or, or interacts with his teammate. I'm not. From the outside looking in, man, like you said, it's a young guy who's got a lot of pressure on him, and I think he's, he's handled himself quite well throughout his NFL career. A couple of things. First yeah. of all, in this business we got to bat a 1,000, and – the stakes are high when you're going to drop a bomb like this, and you just better be damn sure that it's reliable. It's still, it still bothers me. It still bothers me because it paints the kid in a negative light with no counterbalance. It's presented as fact. It's not fact. It's someone's opinion, and we don't know who the person is, and I'm yeah. not comfortable with it. I'm not comfortable I- with it. And I just I would I wouldn't have used something like this without someone's name attached to it. I can guarantee you that. Maybe ten years ago I would yeah, have. Right. Maybe, maybe in the early days of PFT when I hadn't learned how it all works and I was kind of learning it on the fly. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But I, I, I just – I wouldn't have done this. And I, I don't hear know if this you. Is just pressure from ESPN. Hey, guys, we got to have some big stuff on Super Bowl Sunday. we got to have some big stuff. Got to get something big. I, th- there had to have been a better way to ca- to, to, to couch this is the word I'm searching for. Here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. How many other great quarterbacks – if they were on a team that was underachieving around them, right, would be characterized based upon the things they say at practice, the things they do in the locker room, the way they try to hold their teammates accountable, how many of them would be characterized by some of those same people as self-centered, immature, and finger pointers, right? I mean, but how would Tom Brady be if he played for a crap team? We see how Tom Brady is when things don't go his way. He is self-centered, immature, and a finger pointer when things don't go his way. We see it publicly. Yeah. Right? We, it gets back to this thing where we, we respect grown men who act like spoiled brats <laughs> when they don't win. We got to win. And when we're not winning, they act like jerks, but that's okay because they want to win. Well, how's that any different? Then how Kyler Murray's acting I hear is you. getting him labeled as self-centered, immature, and a finger pointer. I, I hear you. Again, I, I don't know, you know the day-to-day actions of Kyler Murray. I certainly don't. I do think with more in his report, I would have a hard time, again, knowing the man a little bit, that it isn't somebody high up. You know, to your t- to to gotta to be the Michael Bidwell here. then. I know. Better right? be Michael Bidwell. And, and the fact that he can't really put a name to it to me that it says that it's got to be somebody up in that category. That would be my just two cents, knowing the business a little bit, right? Just that that would be what I would think happened. I don't know. I really don't. 
I understand what you're saying there. No, there's no doubt about it. You know, again, I think it's also one of those things where it's like, you know, sometimes when you're a little bit of the guy you're talking about that's, you know, pissed off, mad, we're not winning, maybe complaining, doing things like that. If you haven't won or won some playoff games or got some pelts on the horse like we always talk about, you know, people don't want to hear it sometimes. I think that's part of the problem, too. You know, it's like once you win, then, oh, now you can hold everybody to that standard. But you haven't done it yet, so don't complain. I think there's a little bit of that aspect in pro sports, and especially with the quarterback position at times. The one thing I look about at Murray sometimes, and again, I don't know him well enough, but the way he handles himself on the sideline, too, I look at he doesn't look like he's really worried about being everybody's best buddy either. I kind of respect that about Kyler Murray in a lot of ways. He is the general. I think he is. He's got a balance there where, yeah, I don't hear players complain about him in any place he's ever been. So he can't be that jerky. That, to me, is always something I look at. When I talk to players from Oklahoma, right, and we saw C.D. Lamb at the Super Bowl, I mean, Kyler's his boy. It's his best friend in the world. I don't ever hear players. I've never heard rumors of players saying those things about Kyler Murray. So that, to me, holds a little water in this, this type of conversation, too. And uh, so I don't know where it goes, but I still think we're in this conversation because there's a contract dispute, and Kyler wants, more, wants a new contract and all of that, and this is where it's all this conversation's coming from. This reminds me of something Peter King wrote a couple of years ago as Kyler Murray was entering the NFL. Murray has not encountered much adversity on the football field. He had lost like a total of three games between high school and college. He lost three games his first month with the Arizona Cardinals. And it's tough. Three years in, one playoff appearance. He did not play well in that game. For the third straight year under Murray, the Cardinals started strong to quite strong. Right. And then regressed badly down the stretch. This year was the worst from 10-2. and Now... It was the Murray ankle injury that maybe he never fully recovered from, and we saw him run the ball two times for six yards in the playoff loss to the Rams, and the ankle still may not have been right. But, you know, Chris, again, my point is this. When we see great quarterbacks, highly competitive men on teams that are struggling, they react. You react. We've seen Tom Brady do all sorts of things. We saw it this year. He trashes the the. Microsoft Surface. He, we've seen him get in coaches' faces and yell at, scream at them. I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, his he, last he year in sad. New England when there was no weapons, right? I mean, there was many games where we all looked at. Him. He was always looking at the receivers, or oh, you guys didn't do this, do that. Yeah, you're exactly right. Your point's real. So it's okay for him. It's not okay for Kyler Murray. I mean, again, I just I want to make sure that we're being fair with that. And to the extent that Mort sources someone in the ownership suite like Michael Bidwell. One thing I did as soon as I saw the report, and I didn't see any indication from ESPN that they reached out to the Cardinals for a statement. This feels like the kind of thing where you should be reaching out to the team to get their official statement if you're going to paint the guy with a brush like that. Here's what the Cardinals said. Nothing has changed regarding our opinion and high regard for Kyler Murray. We as a team and Kyler individually have improved each year he's been in the league. We're excited to continue that improvement in 2022 and are excited that Kyler Murray is the quarterback leading us. That's consistent with the spin that we've heard, you know, in the aftermath of the decision to keep Cliff Kingsbury. There's two ways you can look at Cliff Kingsbury. One, the team's gotten better every year that Kingsbury's been there. Two, every year Cliff Kingsbury's been a head coach, his team regresses. Nine years, including Texas Tech. So... It's two different ways to look at it. But, uh, yeah, look, somebody somebody 
is trying to trash Kyler Murray and somebody of sufficient name recognition and or influence was able to persuade Chris Mortensen to go with it. I just, I, I just, it makes me uncomfortable because uh, I think plenty of quarterbacks under extreme adversity could be described as self-centered, immature, and finger pointers. Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I do think there is that that there. Uh, for whatever reason, this thought's out Aaron there. Aaron Rodgers could be described that De- way. <clears throat> Definitely. I think there's a lot of them. You go through the history of time. I, I'm with you there. You know, again, you go back to John Elway early in his career or Dan Marino. I mean, there, there was definitely some complaining and things that they wanted done from their football teams. I don't think that's, you know, crazy. I don't. Dare you know, I say, and, dare I say that Peyton Manning, close friend of Chris Mortensen, was self-centered, immature, and finger-pointer a time or two in his sure, career. No doubt Chris. about it. You're right. It, it, it's part of the beast. It's part of being a quarterback in the NFL at times. Um, and, and you said it right. It's a young guy who's still got a lot of pressure you know, on his shoulders. And he's, he's a really good football player. There's no doubt about it. But, again, what I will say is I don't think Mort just got this from Joe, any Joe Schmo. I think he's giving you a, a look of or a thought from somebody high up in the, the Arizona Cardinals organization. But I do think this is all about money and where it goes from there. And uh, I'm sure Kyler wants a new contract. I understand that. And I would think, you know, again, they've made him the guy. He's got the power here in this situation. They, they, they signed a, a head coach, and they wanted to go this, this vision, this style of football. And it is all centered around Kyler Murray's ability and what he does and what they do. And the way they're built on the offensive side of the ball, you know, there's, there's, uh, it, he's the guy. That's what they want to do. They want to play that style of football, and uh, I do think he's got them in a tough situation here, and I would be kind of surprised if he doesn't get a new contract by the time contract, uh, the, the season rolls around. Let's take a break. When we return, a story that got lost in the Super Bowl cracks but that promises to be one of the major talking points of the 2022 offseason. Stephen Ross and the allegation of deliberate tanking that included an offer of $100,000 to former coach Brian Flores for each loss in 2019. We'll discuss that next as this Tuesday edition of PFT Live continues. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, facing accusations initiated two weeks ago today by Brian Flores, former Dolphins coach, hmm. that in 2019, Ross offered $100,000 per loss to Flores in an effort to help the Dolphins secure the number one overall pick in the 2020 draft, which would have secured Joe Burrow for them. Something I mentioned during the Super Bowl pregame show and wrote about yesterday, there is a belief from people that I know who are in the know that they're going to be able to prove this. Now, Remember, it was NFL Network that reported on the existence of an unnamed witness who can corroborate what Flores had to say. And there's starting to become a sense that Ross is going to claim he was joking. That tells me <clears throat> that tells me they got him dead yeah, to rights. Right. So he better come up with a spin on it to try to avoid 
the possibility of losing his team. NFL Network reported on Sunday night he could lose his team over this. The network, again, that's partially owned by Stephen Ross. That, to me, is the biggest thing. They could vote him out. Yes. Right? Well, this whole, it was a joke. First of all, I don't get the joke. And second of all, it's like joking about having a bomb as you get onto an airplane. There are certain things about which you should not joke. Deliberate tanking, when they're all about integrity of the game, is something that should never be joked about. So I I think this is going to end badly for Steve Ross. Here's my prediction. He's going to choose to sell the team in lieu of being forced out at some point. There's going to be a moment where they go to him like they went to Nixon in 74, and they're going to tell him, Here's what's going to happen if you don't walk. Right. And he's going to walk. He's already got he's already already got a business partner that's going to take the team anyway. Yes, right. When he when he's done or when he dies, I think you just you just accelerate that process and the team gets handed off. I need to I need to do my research and re- refresh my Yeah, I know. I, I remember is, you're right. There's already yeah. somebody in place. Yeah. Some really really rich guy that probably has a mega yacht or will have a mega yacht or a super yacht, a big yacht, a big boat. Going to need a bigger boat? No, you don't need a bigger boat, but he he'll, ha- he'll have one. If he doesn't already, that's the guy who'll have the team. Well, you know, you know, to, to steal a phrase, you I mean, olig- a phrase from you, you, you know, oligarchs don't like being told what to do. So I, I would agree with you. If he sees, starts to see the writing on the wall that, oh, man, there's going to be an effort by the NFL to force him out or get him out. The, you know, again, these are these are tremendous egos, power people. He's not going to like the look of that. So I agree with you there. He's going to just opt to get out and sell and, and not look like he was forced to do anything. You know, but like joke. Come on, that's a joke. Are we joking that that's our excuse? The dog ate our homework excuse. That's what we're gonna go with. <laughs> I mean, come on. If he comes, to, if that comes to like, if that becomes a real defense, I will literally laugh. I mean, I will laugh out loud. That would be ridiculous. I mean, that will go down there with some of the dumbest excuses I've ever heard for whatever. Players trying to make excuses for, you know, why they tested positive for a PED or whatever. I mean, that, that's ridiculous. It is not a subject you joke about. You're right. You don't joke about that. I would never, I, I mean, you don't joke about that with the head coach of a football team. There's no way, you know, what's the punchline is exactly right, like what you said. There's nothing to laugh about there. And if there's real... You know, credible witness here that witnessed that, which it does sound like there is. And the fact that, Mike, I I think, you know, like reading the article on PFT yesterday, to me that was like just one haymaker after another. The fact that NFL.com and the NFL channel are all pushing this a little bit, to me, yes, it does say something to your point, that it's real. I mean, like you say all the time, it's a network owned by the 32 owners. They run it. So... There's got to be something there for them to, you know, usually when anything looks too bad or too critical of the NFL, as we have seen, NFL.com or the NFL channel will avoid the topic. They avoid the conversation. It's not part of the headlines on the Internet news site or on the TV channel. And that's not the case with this one, which makes me think that it, it is real. Bruce Beal is the individual who will acquire right. ownership of the Dolphins when Stephen Ross sells. He said two years ago he's not selling in his lifetime. There was a rumor at the time that he was going to use the occasion of the Miami Super Bowl to announce his succession plan to hand the torch to Bruce Beal. He said he's not going to do it. Now he may have to change that plan because, again, I think he will walk before they make him run. The NFL generally is on the run, at least the Brian Flores case. Another thing I mentioned on Sunday, another reason why the hit squad should be showing up any minute now, I shouldn't joke about that. Brian Flores will amend his lawsuit 
to include a claim against the Texans, Man. arguing that the Texans specifically did not hire him in retaliation for the lawsuit that he filed two weeks ago. And it is amazing to me, Chris, the number of online Matlocks who think it's A-OK for a business to shun, to blackball, to retaliate against someone who's had the audacity to try to vindicate their legal rights that have been violated by the employer. They think it's okay. It's amazing. It's, I wonder what these people would do if they got fired from their jobs and then they tried to stand up for themselves and they got shunned and couldn't work in their chosen industry because people are holding it against them that they have the audacity to file a lawsuit. I wonder what those people would do. Would they just lump it and move on? Or would they go talk to a lawyer and pursue their legal rights? Right. I'd and then be up for nine percent of the people right. who are complaining about Flores would do the same damn thing and be even more upset about it if it happened to them. Right. Well, and then go for another job and be a finalist for that job and not get it from somebody who at this moment is, you know, not as qualified, hasn't been as successful coaching an NFL team here in just recent history. Wasn't a finalist. You know? I mean, yes, out wasn't of nowhere. Wasn't even a finalist. Like that those those so yes, I think you take the normal, you know, day-to-day Joe Schmo again working a job if that happened to him, yeah, they'd be disappointed. They'd want they'd want action too. Wait, I, I got fired because of one thing here. Now I'm going to be a lead candidate for another job, but I'm not going to get it because I brought to everybody's attention the issue of why I got fired, and then it's an issue throughout the league that their league is recognized as an issue, and everybody that follows the sport knows it's an issue. But you're not going to get this job because how dare you brought that issue up and threw it all in our face? How dare you? How dare you told the truth and – and really put on a pedestal an issue that we've already put on a lower pedestal and realize there's an issue that needs to be fixed, but how dare you did that and now you don't get the job. I mean, Flores, again, I'm glad he's doing this. I'm at the point now, and I'm glad he's going all in the extra mile here to add this on to the lawsuit. I am. He's in too deep now. There's no turning back now. you got to go for it. And I do think that this, this scenario here with what happened with the Texans, again, it looks fishy. Period. And he's within his right to take action against something that's wrong within the NFL and still want a job within the NFL and a league. And again, the, the job itself knows there's an issue with this issue. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see Flores triple down here now and go this way. I really am. The level of deliberate ignorance that I encounter is stunning to me because people will just throw up as the initial roadblock. Well, they hired a black coach, so he has no claim against the Texans. Folks, it's not about race at this point. It's about retaliating against a troublemaker. I've said the second lawsuit is often better than the first one because the second lawsuit is you did something to me because I sued you the first time. You retaliated against me because you didn't want me around after I chose to hold you accountable for that thing you previously did. And for the Texans, they weren't directly sued the first time, but they're part of the NFL. Brian Flores is going against club oligarch, and that was enough in the estimation of his lawyers for him to be shunned by the Texans. And, of course, the Texans will never admit it. Here's how you prove it. And, folks, I handled cases like this for 18 years before I did this full time. And I don't miss it because it's not easy because everyone will get on the witness stand and say, no, we didn't hold it against him. So what you have to do is you have to look at documents. You've got to find emails. You've got to look at text messages. You've got to piece together a tapestry of evidence that will cause people to say they're full of crap. They're full of crap. You've got to test 
the evidence. You got to interrogate witnesses. You got to press them on how in the hell a guy who wasn't a finalist became a finalist. How did Lovey Smith, who was not one of the three finalists, as they leaked it to multiple members of the media, how did he get the job? He got the job because they knew they couldn't hire Josh McCown post Brian Flores lawsuit, and they wouldn't hire Brian Flores post Brian Flores lawsuit. It's that simple, Chris. It's that simple. I'm with it's you. It's not at this point about whether or not they hired a blackhead coach. It's about whether or not they didn't hire Flores because he had the audacity to sue. Right. Uh, uh, so, like the email thing, the text message thing, uh, that, that, that'll be interesting. There'll if, be something. That, there well, will be something. I, I there agree. will be something there that they there can is. make hay with. I would think there is. Again, just connecting dots here. You know, Brian Flores came from New England. He was with Nick Casario a long, long time. You know, that Jack Easterby, of course, was in New England as well. You know, and I believe he crossed paths with Brian Flores for a year or two while they were there. I think he was still – Easterby was there when Flores was there before he went to Miami. But either way, there's the connection there. And there's so, obviously a, a, a lot of common people they all know. That, to me, would be the thing that's going to be interesting to where, you know, again – did, is Casario, did he ever let anything, you know, be known a little bit behind the scenes? Or is there a text where, oh, man, Brian, I wish you didn't do that with the NFL. This made the situation hard. I wish you didn't sue exactly. them. You've made this hard. I mean, it's just going to take little things like that, and that's going to prove that, you know, this was part of the decision to not go with Brian Flores and go with Lovey Smith, certainly. And, of course, even the way the NFL backed off their initial, you know, this is without merit. I mean, they backed off because they know there's merit. That was a stupid lead comment by the NFL. I mean, merit? What? Of course there's merit here. Are you kidding me? I mean, you, you've, you've said there's merit here for the last five years. You know, so you can't say that now. Uh, but that will be an interesting part of this, Mike. And let me give you a, a seemingly innocuous area of documents that will definitely be examined and explored. Whatever conversations Easterby, Cal McNair, Nick Casario had about whittling the field down to three. If Lovey Smith's name isn't in there, it supports the argument that he was the compromised candidate that they pulled out of thin air so they wouldn't have to fire Brian Flores or hire Brian Flores, excuse me, when they couldn't hire Josh McCown. It's circumstantial evidence that a good lawyer will have to stand up and eventually prove to a jury. But I... I I think there's going to be enough there. Knowing what I know about this situation and knowing what I know about how cases like this are pursued and proven, I have a feeling there's going to be enough there to prove that that uh, that Flores wasn't hired in whole or in part because of the decision he made to sue the NFL. One last thing about the Flores lawsuit before we move on to the Washington situation, and this is important. This is going to be lost on a lot of people. I mentioned this on Sunday. I wrote about it yesterday. The NFL loves to try to suck these cases into arbitration, especially when there's a contractual clause, as there is in every head coaching contract, referring to arbitration, any claims that the coach would have, arbitration ultimately decided by who? The commissioner or his representative. The, the stack is decked, Chris, in the NFL's Big favor time. on this, and that's the way they like it. Um, is that a good and, thing, and though, someone, to go that route? Does that really look like you're trying to fix the problem no, and do no, right? No, that's the key. Yeah. That's the key. If they're serious about fixing the problem, this is the one time where they'll, where they'll say, let's let it play out in open court. Let's let a jury of average citizens eventually address this. Let's have a truly independent court yeah. resolve the case. If And, and I'm going to be 
all over them if they try to file a motion to dismiss all or part of the case to force arbitration because it will show to me that they're not serious about fixing the problem. This is a way for the legal office to fix the problem. And if they activate their effort to rig the system, and that's what it is, and I don't know how they've gotten away with it all these years. They want to rig the legal system as to any claims that are made by anyone against them. And, and they'll, they'll bring that arbitration. They tried it with St. Louis. You know, the St. Louis litigation lingered for like six years. I think most of it was the fight to try to force the claims to arbitration so they wouldn't be held accountable in open court. For this issue, the problem that the NFL has had with race, it needs to play out in open court and shame on the NFL. More than shame. Whatever's worse than shame on the NFL if they try to keep it from playing out in open court, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I hear you there. It, it, it's not going to look good. It won't. If they go to arbitration, you know, again, I think it's only really, in a lot of ways, going to wake people like you and me up more with this conversation. It's going to get more people in TV, TV, newspaper, whatever, to look at it and go, wait, here's another example of they're not really trying to fix the problem. They're just trying to swipe it under the rug and act like they are. And that will not be a good look. So that's where it is, it is dicey. I understand, you know, going to court and having a jury and all that's dicey as well. But, man, I don't know. You might upset the masses and people within the NFL more if you try to do the arbitration route. The other path would be Congress as long as, frankly, the Democrats are in control. If it swings to the Republicans after uh, the elections coming up in November – good luck getting congress to go after the nfl on something like this that's just that's just the way it is it's the way that's the way it went it's not a political comment it is no a well most of the league is re- of fact most of the league is it's republican and fact. the republicans yeah they they side with that side more that is what you're saying right i mean i, I would say that yes. most yeah yes. most owners front front office people are definitely on the republican side of the nfl for sure Currently, Washington is dealing with Congress, and there was a deadline yesterday that I wasn't aware of for the documents that Congress has been waiting for to finally be turned over. Last week, it was stunning for the NFL to send a letter to the House Committee on Oversight and Reform blaming the Washington commanders for holding up the process for impeding the effort to provide documents to Congress, claiming that the league has instructed the commanders, commanded the commanders on multiple occasions to produce the documents, and they have refused to do it. That, to me, is jarring. And the deadline was 5 o'clock Eastern time yesterday for the documents to show up. They didn't. A subpoena could be issued today, ramping up the pressure on the team and the league. And on top of that, Chris, something else I said on Sunday. And we, we, we talked about this last week, but, you know, I wanted to take advantage of the, the bigger platform that we had uh, to, to make sure people understand exactly what's going on. The Beth Wilkinson investigation, 10 months no report issued. The NFL didn't want a report. If they had asked for the report, the report would have said, among the other recommendations, Daniel Snyder should sell the team. Um, and I think that's why, that's why last week we saw Washington try to preemptively appoint its own investigators for the more recent claim that was made by Tiffany Johnson, the former employee who didn't cooperate with the Wilkinson investigation, who made her claims in the congressional roundtable hearing that happened 12 days ago. They're going to investigate that now. Snyder tried to hire somebody other than Beth Wilkinson to investigate, and he said, no, 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 no. You're not investigating yourself. We're going to handle this. And uh, 
they haven't announced who they're going to appoint yet. If they go back to Wilkinson, it's game over for Snyder. Because I think Wilkinson's already concluded the guy needs to go. I don't think. I know she's already concluded, based on what I'm told, that the guy needs to go. I don't think that anything comes out of this phase where there's clear discrepancy, allegation made of misconduct by Snyder. He says it's outright lies. There's no middle ground here. It's one or the other. And somebody who already has concluded, I suspect, that there are some credibility issues with the flat denials made by Daniel Snyder. You don't want that person investigating again if you're Daniel Snyder. And I think that's the most important step here. Who are they going to get? Is it going to be Beth Wilkinson or someone else? It should be Beth Wilkinson. Of course, she has the most knowledge of the situation. Investigating the team. Right. Why would you want somebody to start over again? Right, right. I agreed. I, mean, I, I don't get that. That doesn't look right either. You know, we, we talked about Stephen Ross a few minutes ago, you know, and that it looks like there is legitimate trouble on the horizon. And, uh, I, I don't know if it's to the same level, but I do feel like it's real with Daniel Snyder and where we at in this whole conversation. You know, it does feel like the NFL has finally teetered to, wait, what the hell are you doing? You know, this is the NFL. You don't, you, you're, you're, you're a renegade here. I mean, really. I mean, come on. Uh, just uh, That's where it, it seems like it's getting a little iffy there with Washington and how they handled the situation. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, renegade, go do that yourself in this current environment. That doesn't even look right. I can't believe they would be even that stupid to say we're going to do our own investigation. Like, really? What? We've already questioned some of those tactics already. You're going to do that again with more things thrown on your plate here? Uh, but I, I would think Daniel Snyder is in a little bit of trouble with the way things are going there with Washington. And, yes, I don't understand that approach either. Why would you not have Beth Wilkinson, the one who has the most knowledge of the situation, let her continue to investigate and see if there's more there? She knows the people and the pieces and all the things that are important with this. Uh, I, I don't get it. Not, not a good look from the NFL again here or the, the Washington Commanders. I just think Snyder's pushed his luck. That's my opinion. He, he had a group of owners who were willing to protect him, not because they wanted to protect him, but because they wanted to protect themselves against being caught in a similar situation in the future. And I think that the Tiffany Johnston allegations and the investigation that will happen will be the straw that breaks the camel's back. And uh, assuming that whoever investigates it comes to the conclusion that, that it happened, I think that's going to be the thing that gets the owners to compel Daniel Snyder, who now owns 100% of the team. He bought out his limited partners last year, He's going to have 100% of the team for sale involuntarily. And somebody asked me last night, when will that happen? Well, it's not going to happen anytime soon because he'll go to court. He'll tie it up as long as he can, any way he can in court. That's a, I think that's a fight the NFL hasn't wanted to take on. I think they're getting to the point where they're just going to say, screw it. If we have to take it on, we have to take it on. We're going to, we're going to fight with this guy anyway, whether he's an owner or not. We may as well go ahead and fight the fight and try to get him out of here once and for all. So, it's coming. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be contentious. And it's not going to get resolved anytime soon. That's my opinion. That's not a fact. Let's take a break. When we return, we're going to recap Super Bowl week with a little fill-in-the-blank on this Tuesday edition of PFT Live. We'll be back with more right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.